You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Schiffman. On this show, I interview people with lived and learned experiences on the subjects of mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy. But occasionally, we talk about other subjects as well. Today's guest is surfer, musician, and advocate Christoph Zajak Denick. But first, Kid Mental, let's go. Things ain't always gonna go our way. You could always win when you just struggle. And some battles will be yesterday. But today is for a new beginning. You just struggle. And don't worry about what they say. You can always win when you just struggle. And you can bounce back. Just that's Come on in, listening to just struggle. Hello and welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. It's great to be back with you all. We are barreling, barreling towards the end of the season here. We've got about a month left and there's a lot of great things coming down the line for Choose Your Struggle. That's going to be a Monday motivation episode in a couple weeks, so I'll save all of that news. Uh, Before we really get into this episode, I want to say again a big thank you to everyone who's checked out the merch Guys, if you haven't checked it out yet, you are missing out. Ryan killed it with these designs. <laughs> Honestly, it's like every other day where I'll get a message from him like, hey, so I know we're like pausing on designs, but what do you think about this one? And I love it. He has done such a great job. Uh, check him out. Look in the, the link in the show notes. Go to jshiffman.com and check out the shop link. That's going to be changing here pretty soon. That's that's something that we'll talk about in, in future episodes. But uh, the website is kind of getting split uh, as as I reorganize a lot of what's going on in uh, Choose Your Struggle. Uh, the website's getting changed up a little bit. But for the meantime, you can still find it at jshiffman.com and go to the shop link. And, and as a reminder on that, if you're like, yeah, these are all cool, but I want an old school tank top. I've still got a couple. Please reach out. Uh, we'll handle that separately. Um, but but the all the new designs come straight from T Public. So I've had a couple of people ask about that, like, oh, but you know, do you have to? No, I don't do any of it. <laughs> you all, you know, y'all decide what you want to buy. T Public handles it. Uh, Ryan does the designs. I don't do any of, the, of it other than talking about it and wearing some of it because I've bought some myself. I have to start limiting myself. I keep buying these designs. They're that cool. All right, that's enough on <laughs> on, on merch. Uh, you know, otherwise, everything is good. We had a wonderful time in Puerto Rico. Uh, we are enjoying fall here in Philadelphia, really loving being back in an area where there is fall. Also being in an area where there is medical cannabis. And as you all know, I have my card. Uh, I just got back from the dispensary, picked something up for, for Lauren, picked something up for myself. Um, really wonderful, wonderful trip. But uh, without further ado, let's talk about today's episode. This guest is a guy that I have so much respect for. His name is Christoph Zajak Denick. I know it's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> he is the host of I'm Kind of a Big Deal, which is a podcast about dwarfism. He is a person who lives with dwarfism. I met Christoph at Pod Movement back in August. I was in the first session, literally the first session. And uh, they were asking people for for just to talk a little bit about their show. And I was still not really feeling enough to, to raise my hand. As you all know, I did later for something else. And I got my show, this show, got critiqued in front of almost everybody at the conference, which was amazing. But this is the first session. And a hand shoots up from the front row. And the guy stands up. And uh, it's Kristoff. And, and he talks about how you know he is a person who lives with dwarfism. And his show is about that. And I was so impressed that the next day during happy hour, I saw him walk past and I pulled him aside. I was like, hey, man, I just got to tell you, I was so impressed with that. We got into a long conversation and uh, traded info. We hung out a couple more times throughout the conference. And I was like, I got to get you on the show, man, because he does such cool work, uh, not only bringing awareness to dwarfism, but as he talks about on this show, just being a guy, which as a person who lives with uh, dwarfism, which is a, a, a condition that most of us, as he talks about, like, you probably don't know somebody 
uh, with, you know, that, that lives with this condition. And so just being a person is, is such a, uh, a powerful thing. And when I say be a person, I mean, like, he's more of a badass than I am. I, I say that fully. Dude is a, is a surfer. He uh, made his, a name for himself as a drummer. Uh, he is, you know, an, a great podcast host. He's an actor. Uh, you may have seen him in a couple of things. I mean, this dude is the shit, and I just have so much respect for for all that he does. And, and as he talks about it, it's sort of that like you know, I I wouldn't allow uh, this this condition to limit me, and and I just love it. Um, he he is truly inspiring, and the work he does with families and with other people uh, that that have dwarfism uh, are living with dwarfism, and, and and the desire to be seen as a person and help them be seen as a person is it's like I just love it. I, I respect the hell out of him. So uh, please enjoy this this conversation with Christoph. Check out all of his work. There's some stuff in the show notes. A new project that he was a part of uh, is in the show notes um, about living with a, a disability. Just very, very cool stuff. So please check him out. Reach out to him. He is such a, a welcoming guy. He would love, as he says on this, he's like, please do this. The, the best thing you can do is just, you know, see us as people and talk to us, you know. And, and so reach out to him. Have a conversation. He's a great guy to chat with, as you'll hear in this conversation. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Christoph Zajac Denik. In June of 2021... I accomplished something that is all too rare for those with lived experience. I told my story and made my call for change from a TED stage. The fact is, our society puts too much emphasis on those with learned experience. You know, the person who spent 20 years researching something. And that's okay, because those voices are incredibly important. They provide the information that the rest of us run with. But we can't minimize the voice of those who've actually lived these experiences. That person doing research can't tell you what it really feels like to go through withdrawals, and they shouldn't want to. We need all voices at these tables. So if you're looking for someone who actually has lived these experiences, who can talk about struggling with mental health and substance misuse, who can talk about what it really feels like to go through addiction, who can speak eloquently about the war on drugs from both a learned and lived experience, reach out to me. And if you're looking to create a more complete experience, a roundtable or whole cadre of speakers, I can bring numerous people with me who have experiences that are unlike mine and unlike anything else that you've heard. So reach out to me today and let's create a complete learning experience for your office, your club, your school, or anywhere else. Because these voices need to be heard and these lessons can create change today. Reach out and let's all choose our struggle. Find me on social media. Check the link in the show notes or search for me, Jay Schiffman, on YouTube and LinkedIn, and choose your struggle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hi, I'm Christoph Zajac Denick. I'm a journalist, an actor, a stuntman, a surfer, and I do a bunch of other crazy things in Southern California. You know, Christoph, I think it would actually be easier if we listed everything you're not. Uh, you want to go ahead and do that, and then we... <laughs> I don't I don't really dance all that well, and I don't paint, so... <laughs> no, but you and I met uh, in person, which is... This is the first time I've been able to say this on this show. Uh, before we met online, which is pretty incredible, we met at the podcast uh, podcast movement conference uh, about a month ago, month and a half ago. Yep. Uh, and and you uh, you spoke, you stood up and spoke, right? Wasn't that how uh, how I originally saw you? That's right. Yeah, I was at a I was in a presentation and um, or a panel. I was I was attending, and um, they were asking folks to just stand up and give some sort of premise of their show, and so. I always like to do that whenever given the opportunity. And yeah, I talked about my show, which is called I'm Kind of a Big Deal. And I talk about dwarfism and a lot of people don't talk about dwarfism, including people with dwarfism. So um, I, any opportunity I get, I just, uh, you know, assert myself however I can. And I will say that when you announced the name of your show, it got one of the better laughs of anything that week. <laughs> Uh, it is a wonderful name for a show, considering, as as you just mentioned, that you talk about dwarfism. Now, before we really get into your story, though, I have to ask, because this is something um, 
normally when I interview people on this show, it's about topics that I myself am very versed in, or at least enough that I can talk about. I am not at all uh, versed in dwarfism. And, and I got to say, my first question is, I didn't, I was not aware that that is the preferred word. That is the preferred name. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because uh, understanding and being on the same page or, or, around language is so important for me and, and for my show. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So technically the PC acceptable terms are dwarfism, dwarf, short stature, person with dwarfism. Um, midget is the offensive term. However, I love this question because I get to talk a little bit more because I like to say the most appropriate way to call somebody is by their name. And there's such a, an avoidance or, or a response or reaction when people see someone with dwarfism that they want to avoid them or they've never seen somebody or they gasp or, you know, there's, there's this defense mechanism that occurs. And so I like to push the envelope and say, Hey, uh, the right way to call us is by our name, which means that you have to go up to us and tell us your name and actually have an interaction and actually have somebody say, oh, I see you as a person. My name is whatever. What's your name? I'd like to actually identify you as someone who is on the same playing field as myself. And to your credit, I think I'll probably be saying that a lot in this show, uh, when you and I met uh, later that day, we were at a happy hour and I pulled you aside to say how much I appreciated you kind of putting yourself out there. And we got into a very good conversation where you educated me on so much about this world that I did not know. Uh, I mean, about the rates of dwarfism in our in our society, about, and I think this is actually where that conversation started, right? Was I was asking you these questions yep. and, and about how um, diverse the community of, of people with dwarfism is. Yeah, it's very diverse. I mean, the the thing that brings us together is a common physical disability. And I know disability is kind of an arguable term, but you know, it really is. I have skeletal dysplasia. I've had to have multiple surgeries. It's it's not that we all believe in uh right wing or left wing um, you know, politics or we all are soccer players or whatever. We're just you know, we share this commonality in our physicality. And that is one thing that I find that's really interesting about this group of people is you have so many people with different differing beliefs and differing positions and differing interests and differing abilities. You know, my dwarfism is cartilage hair hypoplasia, which is a very rare form of dwarfism. I'm four foot four inches tall. And the majority of other people that I know with my dwarfism are significantly shorter than I am. Um, Vern Troyer, who played Mini-Me, also had cartilage hair hypoplasia, and he, I believe he was two foot eight. Other friends of mine who have CHH are in the two foot 10 to three foot range. So it's, I just constantly say that dwarfism is a mixed bag, and you never know if you're going to have to have multiple surgeries or no surgeries or pain or no pain or it you know there really is nothing out there that says this is what dwarfism is except that you're human a, a, a beautiful point and i think launches us into the the direction i want to go next obviously which is your story you know is is there a piece of this that is hereditary you know or 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 was this very new to your family when you were born yep uh both actually so my um I'm I'm the first and only little person that my family has ever known so far as we know. And it's a recessive gene. So both of my parents passed along a recessive gene to me huh. and that um, created whatever this is. Um, and, you know, they knew right away when I was born that there was something that there was dwarfism in the mix somewhere. There was something that was off with my skeleton. You know, I, I had signs. And they didn't know exactly what it was, but um, they knew that there was something. And so it took a while for me to get the proper diagnosis. And once we did that, we ended up going to see a doctor. Uh, we found Dr. Kopitz in um, Baltimore, Maryland when I was two. And my family, we're from Detroit, Michigan, and we traveled from Detroit to Baltimore multiple times a year, every year for 16 years when I was a kid wow. um, to get 
these checkups and and everything like that. So there's there's a lot that's involved, but yeah, it is hereditary and um you know, it's along with the the medical stuff, there's a lot of, you know, unique social stuff too. And I was a darn adorable child. <laughs> so I got a lot of love and I was the only, I was the only one when I was born. I'm the oldest cousin on one side of my family and I'm a, among the oldest on the other side. And so I got a ton of attention because again, I was adorable, <laughs> but also, you know, I was just there for all the love and it was, it was pretty awesome. So embracing your one's own identity is hard enough. I mean, this is something we talk about on my show all the time because that's a key component in struggling with issues like uh, substance misuse. But I'm thinking back to, to when we're in, we're in our adolescence and we're not always the kindest to people who are different. It sounds like you had a lot of love at home, but was that the case sort of out in the real world as well? Uh, it really wasn't. Uh, I mean, sometimes it was and you know, like you have mentioned already there, you haven't had exposure or experience with other little people per se, at least to the extent that you and I have, have had already. And that can create, you know, misunderstandings and um, issues of anxiety around other people and stuff. And so I, I was made fun of, I was um, pointed out, you know, I still have people taking clandestine photos of me um, in the grocery store or wherever I go. It's just a, that's just a regular thing with little people because people see us and they're like, well, I've never seen this before. I better capture it. And I have a camera on my hip. Um, yeah, I mean, I would I would hide in department stores when when kids would you know point me out and stuff or, you know, it was even adults that would laugh at me when I was nine years old just walking around because they knew like I walked funny or my legs were bowed or whatever so you you learn to kind of develop a, a thick skin at, a, at an early age that being said the people that got to know me my family my schoolmates everybody was super cool it was it wasn't something that was um that kept me apart from other people in a in a big way it's those folks that never had the exposure or the experience and therefore they lack the, the empathy or, you know, being able to see outside of my physicality, my disability, my skeletal dysplasia. And so that that was always something that was it's going to be something that's always really difficult to, you know, surmount. And, and how old were you when you had your first surgery and when the medical uh, when, when you got introduced to the medical part of, of this uh, story of yours? Yeah, so we found Dr. Kopitz when I was two, and my father actually sent him photos of me, um, you know, took photos of me and mailed them because I'm, this was, you know, 1981 or whatever. Uh, that's how photos worked back then, kiddos. And, <laughs> and um, you know, he said, yeah, I think I can help your son. And so we drove to Baltimore. Um, that was at two, and then you know, over the years, I, I had seen him for, you know, multiple years. And um, at six, he said, you know, we're, we're going to do the first round of surgeries. So it was, um, I don't, I don't know everything that they did, but I know like the, one of the major things that they did is they created non-unions out of the fibulas with, uh, in the bottom, at the lower half of your leg, there are two bones. There's the tibia and the fibula. The tibia is the weight bearing bone and the fibula is the bone that grows more quickly or maybe you can say that the tibia grows more slowly in people with dwarfism but the fibula causes that bow leggedness and if that progresses it can become really difficult and there can be pain involved so i have non-unions in my fibulas they haven't been connected since i was six years old um if you look at an x-ray it looks like a cartoon character like took a chomp out of my bone and just left it there um and then there were some other things that they did. Um, and I was in a body, essentially a body cast for three months over the summer healing. And then, um, you know, after you get the, the cast off, you have to go and um, go through physical therapy, learn to walk again. So that was probably two or three weeks of that because I just was a super active kid. I wanted to get back out and get on my get on my legs, get on my feet and get moving again. So you're going through this period where you're having these procedures and also 
as literally every person alive does, you're you're starting to learn about who you are and your place in the world. And and I can imagine that this would have been uh, for anyone going through any sort of trauma. This is incredibly difficult because you're forced to add this other layer of self understanding on top of uh, the one that, you know this development we all go through. Yeah, absolutely. I I like to say that little people grow up before everyone else. Um, and it's I really love your true. jokes, man. I you you are just on it. This is I need a drum machine every time you you you've got this. Oh, I can do that if you need. <laughs> um, no, it's but it, it it's really true because you know not only do we have to deal with the social stuff where adults can't even handle seeing us uh, at times, um, there are also these medical issues that. You know, other six-year-olds are not going through being put in a cast and having blood drains pulled out of their legs and worrying about all of the hardware that's in there to keep your bones together. It's 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 a completely different thing. I used to, I, I would say that, or I likened my doctor's appointments to, you know, business meetings for my health at six years old because that's what I really had to go through. If I, if my parents didn't decide that this was the best route for me and for us, I wouldn't be able to do all the things that I can do now with such a low pain point. I'm, I'm really not in pain and I do a lot of stuff and I, I appreciate what my parents have done for me, but yeah, it's, it's another, it's another layer. And, and, you know, on top of the surgery is very, very personal. You know, when you go in and have surgery, it's just you, you know, nobody else is there. Yeah. People can hold your hand afterward, but it's, it's you versus the doctors when you're six years old and you have to be okay with that. And you have to learn to trust in a, in a huge way that you never really had to trust before. And that's, I don't know. I, I think that I think that that's a part of that growing up before everybody else that that I experienced anyway. So so this is all your your adolescence. But l let's talk about high school for a minute. Uh, you know, there are some people who go through sort of childhood trauma and they end up going to sort of uh, different. Uh, I don't want to say un, uh, anything other than normal because what is normal, but but different sorts of paths for as far as high school education. Uh, I don't, as far as I know from our conversation, that wasn't the case for you. I mean, you were going like like a normal yeah, I went kid to public up, right? I yeah. was on I was on the public school track. Uh, so so what was that like being somebody who you had this extra layer of of self uh, discovery of self understanding of who you are, but yet you're around kids who probably aren't really understanding of that right yeah for sure it's the hardest thing for me was it, it wasn't the bullying I, I really didn't get bullied or made fun of I think I I was into punk rock and skateboarding and like all the all the things that I just thought was really cool the thing that was the hardest for me was being ignored and being uh, rejected from groups so it's kind of like the silent bullying where you're just not included. You're not, um, you know, I never had a girlfriend in high school. I never, um, I, di I didn't hang out with as many groups of people as I probably wanted to, you know, I wasn't allowed to do, I wasn't included in like the normal activities that everybody was doing. And it really wasn't because of my physicality. Like I couldn't do this stuff, you know, I could go, bowling I could go do whatever but I just I, I wasn't thought of as someone who should be called for those things and that was what was really tough is um you know I got included on some things but a lot of the times I was just you know not not included on those things and so that's I didn't realize that until later on I was like well high school was great and then I realized oh man I didn't do I didn't I didn't go on dates I didn't do these other things and it was just looking back, it's kind of, I, I see what it was. And, and, and in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about sort of how your, you know, a big part of who you are, it was advocacy by doing, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, you're more active than I am. And, and I think that that in itself is, is your form of advocacy as well as the advocacy you do. But before we get into that, sort of on that last point, 
do you think, and this is sort of a self-reflection question, but do you think that that awareness is a big motivator for, for a lot of the work you do? It is for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's that awareness and realizing that so many other people have had the same experiences in their own stories. I didn't really know that or understand that or even think about it or accept it or ponder that. And once I just opened the floodgates, there were so many other people who said, yep, that's me too. That's, uh, that's my experience as well. And so I also have become connected with parents who have little people and, you know, there's no manual for children. There's definitely no manual for little people. And you just have to, you know, people say it's, it's just love. Like you just have to love them and stuff. And yeah, that, you know, don't not love them. But also I, th I think it's really tough to navigate when people are always using language. Like our society always thinks bigger is better and uses higher as, you know, a, 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 a greater um, adjective than lower. And, and these types of things that these parents are kind of figuring out and saying, well, my kid is just like everybody else or should be treated like everybody else so that also comes from the language that we use you know let's let's try and streamline the language so that it's inclusive for everyone and it's it doesn't bigger doesn't always have to be better especially when there's so much exclusion for people who are of short stature well again the language piece is so important uh, we talk about that a lot on here but before we get into all of your work let's pause and if you wouldn't mind shouting out where people can follow you what where they can find you online anything you want everybody to know yeah absolutely so i produce a podcast called i'm kind of a big deal and you can find it um in just about all the places where you can find podcasts and you can also find me on instagram at big deal pod hey y'all it's me your host I'm sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a fantastic episode of the podcast, but I have to give a quick shout out to my partner, Roadrunner CBD. They have been working with me for a while now, and I just love their products. They have everything from tinctures to muscle gels, and all of them are fantastic. You know, I rub the muscle gel on my legs before I run, and they keep me feeling pretty good, which is saying something. So check out Roadrunner today at their website, www.roadrunnercbd.com slash ref, R-E-F slash C-Y-S. Again, that's roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash C-Y-S. And use the code C-Y-S at checkout to let them know that I sent you and get 10% off. Trust me, you're going to love this. I've sent some of their products to a couple different people and they've all become repeat customers. So check it out today and don't forget to let them know that Choose Your Struggle sent you. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you're listening on Apple, please rate and review or check out the review link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So at what point in your adult life did you decide, you know, all right, I'm just sort of going, it almost seems like, I guess the reflects is a different way, is that you have made it your mission as an adult to just be a guy who does a bunch of cool shit, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, you're, you're a drummer, you're a surfer. I mean, all this incredible stuff. It, it, was this a conscious decision where you went, I'm going to do these things to show that I can do them? Or were you just like, I like doing this stuff and I'm going to do it? It's a, it's a lot of everything. Like that Dawes song, I guess. It's like a little bit of everything. <laughs> so there's, I started playing drums when I was 15 and I just, I loved punk rock and music and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. And I just wanted to play. I just thought that was cool. And my hands are smaller, so guitar wasn't something I could do. Bought a drum set, practiced every day, just loved it. And then, you know, that progressed over the years, and I ended up starting a rock and roll band with some friends. And we toured for six years across the U.S. and Europe. And, you know, it's it's luck, but it's also a ton of work. It's a, Being in a band is, is one of the hardest things anyone can ever do. It's literally just so much work this being on stage is like the the icing on the cake but the, nobody sees the, the the 80 hours a week that you put in 
um, all doing all the rest of the stuff. And, um, and I just, you know, I, I loved it. And, the, and I got re reviewed as the diminutive drummer or the midget drummer in the band and stuff. And, and it's funny because uh, I'll go on a little side note. Like I, I was never offended by that stuff. Like my bandmates were more sensitive to the critiques on the songwriting and stuff like that. And it took me a while to understand, man, why do I just not care what these people think? <laughs> like, I just don't, it doesn't affect me at all. And then I realized, oh yeah, that's that tough skin that you've been building up <laughs> since you were four years old from people seeing you and making comments. And um, I just, I just never cared. So there, there's this, there are a lot of influences here, right? I like music, so I wanted to play it. Um, I had difficulty with socializing and being accepted. So I would spend more time practicing and learning drums and being in bands and stuff like that. And those, those things that come together, um, as fun as it is to be playing drums and surfing and, and doing all, you know, these other cool things, they really have been pacifiers for me for a social life, you know, for having like, for wanting to take risks on having relationships with people and wanting to just, um, find out who I actually am. Instead of doing that, I just like add another skill or add another cool thing, quote unquote, to my, my, my ledger. And, you know, at this point, maybe I, I have like a, a list of some cool things that I've done, but it's, I've noticed that in, you know, as I'm older now, I've, I've realized, oh yeah, that's, there's been a sacrifice there and it's been, uh, people have been, people in relationships have been that sacrifice. And you mentioned earlier, though, that a lot of this uh, you, you, has been changing sort of more recently and you've done more, uh, you know, been connected with families and you're doing more that is sort of, I guess, what we would call direct advocacy. When did that change or has that sort of always been a constant that's just blossomed a little more recently? It's it's been a slow burn. Um, I moved to Los Angeles after quitting my band in Detroit. Uh when I was 29, 30. And before then I knew one other little person in my life at all. And we were sort of, we were friends and that was, you know, we were friends. I, I kept that individual kind of at a, a friend arm length, you know, that was it. And when I came to LA, I started to get hired as an actor and I worked on some shows where a number of the cast was little people. And that was my exposure to it. You know, the first show I worked on, I worked with 10 other little people and I was like, this is weird. What is happening right now? There are all these little people with different body shapes and stuff. And I mean, I saw a bunch of different body shapes when I would go to the office at Dr. Kopitz and see the doctor because he had patients from all over the world. So I saw those people, but I didn't interact with them very closely. You know, we weren't sitting together dressed up like idiots for eight hours working on the same show. And you know, when you're around that, the, you know, these individuals who are different and they have amazing personalities and they have regular lives or crazy lives, or, you know, they're working on this show, you start to realize, oh yeah, I am like this. This is, I'm here for a reason. And it's not because I'm an accountant. It's because I see the world in a similar way as these other people. And that was really eye-opening for me. And so, you know, it, it's it's just been a very slow roll since then. You know, that was 12 years ago. And I'm I'm so much, I'm so grateful that I've decided, you know, that I've allowed this group to, to be a part of my life or uh, allowed me to be a part of this group because I just denied it for so long and I didn't want to associate. So it's been just a really slow roll. And... Um, the, another big, uh, uh, change for me was, um, in Detroit, there was a number of little people that worked on another Disney movie and there were 50 little people that were working together. And I just, I made so many friends. I had so many, I made so many great memories and, you know, again, we're dressed up like idiots just running around on set, but it was, it was such a fun time and that that just 
I think that broke down huge barriers for me and I was able to um, really connect with folks on that. So with the Hollywood part for a moment, because I think that we're seeing it sort of in our lifetime, we've seen a bit of a shift. You know, I can remember, uh, obviously, Seinfeld had a very major character, Mickey, who was a, who was a little person. And then uh, yeah. you, you have uh, Game of Thrones is the example I'm thinking of. Obviously, Peter Dinklage, incredible actor. Yeah. And, and yet there's this scene in Game of Thrones that uh, Peter Dinklage, it's at Joffrey's wedding, if you know what scene I'm talking about, where- I believe the, I do. Yeah, where where there are other little people on set and they are used as sort of a punching bag. That is sort of where we are now, where you have this incredible scene where you have one of the best actors in the world in Peter Dinklage, and then also people, other little people being used as a joke. For, for I mean, where, I guess, help me understand the thinking on that as far as being a person in that community is that seen as well at least we're getting work or is there man this is hard to watch um for a really long time i was i just felt oh great this is the work that i want because it's gonna it's gonna pay well i mean i just got called for an elf audition for a commercial two weeks ago you know the times are still here like we're we're still in this um <laughs> By an agency, uh, mind you, that does huge advocacy for people with Down syndrome. So it's like we're gonna we're just gonna like focus on this one lane, but we'll also just hire dwarfs to be elves because you know there's they should be elves. Like that should be what it is. Um, and it's it's still here. You know we're still fighting for it. Friends of mine who have been in the industry for thirty years, you know they they call playing an elf or a leprechaun, you know, being a character actor. And I think it's like being a caricature actor. It's not, a, it's like a, an elf isn't a character. It's just like, it's just an idea that's weird and nobody understands it. And it's cute. And it's a throwaway, you know what I mean? It's, it's really not anything creative or that you could, necessarily breathe life into and I, I don't think people want that to happen and so you know it, it's I recognize that it's it actually is a time of shift at the moment because friends of mine are getting roles that are showing them in a human light they're getting roles that depict them as people and that's where we should be that's that's what we should be doing I I feel like people are, will listen and say, oh, he's against every elf role and stuff. I'm not necessarily. I'm against the lack of balance, you know? Forever, we've been portrayed as these characters that you should never get to know. And there's no backstory and there's no family involved. There's nothing. And Peter Dinklage is incredible. And I've had the, the opportunity to work with him. He's been great. And I'm, you know... I'm so happy that we have somebody like him who is a, a captain on, on, the, on the ship, but it takes more than just him. You know, there are still hundreds of thousands of people as much as game of Thrones was such a huge show. There are so many people who have never even heard of Peter Dinklage or seen the station agent, you know, which is in my opinion, one of his breakthrough films and was the first time that I ever saw dwarfism accurately portrayed in media ever the first time i Id ever identified with a, a character and i mean that's character acting to me that's that's playing you know someone with a backstory and a heart and a mind and a soul and um desires and hurt and pain and all these everything you know a life uh it's it's not an elf or a leprechaun and you know it's okay fine like you can toss us some of those jobs but please recognize us as actual human beings. I mean, it's only been recently that I've seen the word midget be dropped from casting calls. Whenever I look on LA casting, like I used to see midget, 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 midget. And now maybe two years ago was the first time I started to see um, that word being like reduced or, or dropped. But also, I mean, in the past two years, I've gone to comedy clubs or been a part of comedy events where there's been comics that just 
get on stage and punch down for 10 minutes on midgets. It's, it's still this acceptable, um, you know, target for, for comedy. And it's, I can only imagine that it's because like, we look stupid, you know, nothing more than just like your legs and arms are short and you waddle. So you're stupid. And I need to make fun of you, which there are so many other disabilities that you would never, ever, ever touch, you know? And it's, it's just kind of confounding to me. Um, I don't like to, like, I don't like to play the poor me, um, role. I just like to, you know, this is my experience. I've, I've recently had this, but also, you know, and on the side where we're talking about things moving in a, in a great direction, my friend Alexa has been booked on two commercials where she's just a person and you see her body and you see her action and she's wearing human clothes and it's, it's beautiful. It's great. That's, that's the way we should be heading. I think you make such an important point, which is that there, we are in this age finally where sort of cheap humor is no longer accepted when it's the, when other people are the brunt of the cheap humor, we're moving away from that. And yet you're right. There is this almost double standard when it comes to little people where that is, that is one of the few uh, communities where we still are accepting of uh, you know, somebody being the butt of jokes, uh, and it's rare. You know, I was looking this up while you were, were saying that the actor Jordan Prentice. I'm thinking of the movie In Bruges. If you, if listeners, if you've not seen that, a wonderful movie with Colin Farrell, uh, where Jordan Prentice plays a, just a person, yeah. and when Colin Farrell in, in this movie makes him the uh, sort of butt of a joke, he kind of lets him have it, and 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 this was sort of. At the time, this this was eight nine years ago. Was was one of the first times for me that I had seen that on stage or on on film. You know, of course, going back to Seinfeld, where Mickey is just a normal, he's just like he's just a guy, but right. it's not really addressed. Whereas in this movie, that's the point: is that Colin Farrell is kind of given given a bit of a talking to for for being an asshole about about Jordan Prentice, this is characters height and 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 we are moving again as you said in this positive direction and it's wonderful to hear that we are at a point where some uh, where somebody in in the the, the whether the dwarf isn't just a little person community is, is is being given a role to be a person uh i, I kind of think of a couple of years ago when we had i don't i think it was a png commercial was the first time an interracial couple was like in a, and it was like such a big deal it was like why is this a big like yes it is a big deal we should celebrate this but at the same time it's like 2017 why is this a big deal you know yeah exactly and and that's and that's the thing i mean i think films are willing to take the risk on on showing people with disabilities as uh, as humans you know I, I know a lot of wheelchair users who are actors and they say i've never not played a wounded veteran you know i've never not played they never get the chance to just like play a friend you know yeah. and that's the same a similar situation with us and we are friends that's the thing that's so sad is like i don't i don't spend like 20 days out of the year just being an elf because i'm an, an elf you know like <laughs> I'm a friend every single day of my life. And I, I think that that's, that's where this disconnect is, is it's, it's not meeting us in, in the right way. And it's, I think it's really tough for, for the shift to happen because, you know, like I, I actually haven't seen in Bruges and I feel really silly that I have not seen it, but it's been on my list. Um, that talking to, I think, can label us, you know, the angry dwarf, because we don't want to be put in that box. Also, whenever we, you know, come out in anger, it probably is really silly or cute or adorable that there's this little human who is angry and or upset or voicing their opinion. And, you know, it's that that's, again, just a, a not seeing us as someone with actual feelings or someone who, you know, actually should take up space in this world because we're here, you know, we already do. And we need to occupy the, the same place that, that you do. And I think the other side of that is I never really allowed myself. And because of that, I also wasn't, um, 
good at talking about dwarfism. I always felt like I wanted to, I was going to bring down the vibe talking about my surgeries or, you know, things that I was going through or, uh, social pain or whatever, you know, things that were embarrassing. I still have kids that come up to me and ask me if I'm a little person or, or ask me like why, um, <laughs> I was in the grocery store the other day and, or a couple of years ago, and this kid saw me and said, you know, mommy, why is that little boy all alone? I'm bald with a beard wearing glasses <laughs> by myself in a grocery store at 8 PM. Like it's, we're confusing. I totally get it. I totally get it, you know, but, and, and that's, to me, that's an adorable reaction where, you know, a seven-year-old sees me and says what they say or says what they see. I think that's the, that's the difficult thing. We're not always uh, so versed on expressing our feelings because we don't find them valid because we really haven't had the opportunity to talk with people and share what we feel and, and what our lives are like, because we don't think that people actually want to listen. And I understand that other people, average height people probably find it awkward to come up to a little person and say, Hey, you know, what has your life been like? What's been hard? What's been good? Like, I don't know another little person. Like, can you tell me about what your experience is? The thing is so many little people are ready to talk about this. So many other little people, if you approach them and say, I, you know, can we talk for five minutes? I just find you interesting. And I, I, you know, I would love to introduce myself and just, I, I want to feel comfortable. Um, and you know, I'm sorry if this is weird, but just, you know, it, I don't know what to say. I think so many little people would be receptive to somebody saying that the, the folks that I, because we all want to teach, we all know what this experience is. And so, you know, this is a long walk around the block for, you know, from the story that we were talking about, but I think that angry dwarf, uh, visibility or, or, or that, you know, what you see in that angry dwarf would be so much better understood if people would just allow us to feel like we want to be heard and seen and, um, you know, understood. And you've created a, a, a safe space for this with your show uh, and you, you, you provide a service. You said a lot to parents who, who are trying to learn about this, you know, what kind of, whether it's responses to your show or people you're talking to, you know, what kind of questions are you getting mostly? And, and, and how have you gone about making your show into this thing that is sort of a mix of both education and pretty, pretty good entertainment? Oh man, thank you so much for those, those kind words. I appreciate it. I, uh, I'm just trying, <laughs> that's really all I'm doing. Um, but honestly, it's, it's being on shows like yours, you know, I'm a fan of your show. I love the thank questions you. that you ask. I love the guests, guests that you have on. I think it's important, you know, and a lot of, a lot of this is starting from ground zero. I, I appear on a lot of podcasts and, this isn't a slight to anyone's podcast, but I get asked very similar questions. And I love that because my voice gets to get out there and say, you know, these very basic to me things that are, that are unique and they're setting the groundwork for, um, for other people, little people and average height folks. And, and I love that. And the fact that anybody wants to come on my show and talk to me about their story, I'm, I'm beyond honored. Um, I, I, I've come a long way in my acceptance of myself and of little people. And I know there is so much shame and there's so many hurt stories and there's so many, um, there's so many stories that, you know, I won't even hear, you know, and, and they're, they're just locked away and some of them are gone now. And I think however we can, however I can help to share those stories. Um, it's, it, it's just an honor, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I just appreciate that anyone trusts me. So this is a very, this is always a, a too simple of a question, but I like to ask people who are direct advocates like yourself, what can people who are not part of your community or do to number one, help what, you know, 
if 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 to my listeners who's who are listening to and are very you know wow this is so incredible this is touching what do you want them to know what can they do to to better uh help spread the message or, or really whatever it is that that you think is needed yeah absolutely so you can um you can educate yourself you can go online and and there are there are books, there are publications, there are blogs. I've written and produced, um, I've written an article and produced audio stories um, from the perspective of a little person on little people. You can listen to my podcast. I think there are some other shows out there as well. Um, listen to these stories and take them in. And the next time that you have the encounter or you are confronted with a little person, dig you know dig down in your in your your bravery and and say okay you know i'm i'm a person too and i can just talk to another person and treat the treat the scenario as that you know it's it's just a person talking to a person and if it's if you feel comfortable doing an introduction great if you feel comfortable flashing a smile and some eye contact you know any of those things i think just shows that we as little people are validated and, and we're seen because there are a lot of us that hang our heads low and um, or have hung their heads low in the past because we've received a lot of mistreatment and, and ill treatment. And I, I think educating yourself and maybe preparing for people with differences, and this isn't just little people, it's, it's everyone, you know, there are, I, I just saw this PSA about, um, I think it's called We Are the 15% and it's just showcasing all of these disabilities. And at the end, the, the woman says, you know, that's 1 billion people in this world with disabilities. And we're out there, you know, we're going to be seen. We have left the house, be fully warned. We have left the house. And, you know, I, I think we just want what everybody else wants. We just want to be seen and heard and treated like a person. So we're low on time, but I don't want to finish without talking about the movie, the 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 link you sent me end of last week. Just talk about that real quick, and, and I'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, abilityandprogress.org is the website. It's a short film slash music video, and it I like to say it showcases five individuals doing things who do not look like they should be doing those things. Um and uh, it's it's really just highlighting ability over disability because we're all doing our our passions. We're we're doing things that we really love in this video. And at the end, there's a reveal that that shows um, what a lot of other people see before they see us for our skills and our talents. And so, um, yeah, abilityandprogress.org. There's some incredible behind the scenes footage. There are profiles and interviews uh, for each of us, and there are also some incredible statistics and a, a pledge that you can sign. So, um, yeah, please check it out, abilityandprogress.org. Well, besides that, please, one more time, shout out where people can find you, where they can follow you, and then we'll go into the final questions. Absolutely. So uh, you can find me um, on my podcast, which is called I'm Kind of a Big Deal, just about everywhere you can find podcasts, and on Instagram, at Big Deal Pod. So we always finish with the same two questions, as you know. Number one, what are your self-care habits? I meditate and do yoga every morning, and I also go surfing as much as I possibly can. You're the first person on here to say surfing. I always, I, I, I've been saying this for a while. I need a gong for whenever there's something mentioned for the first time on the show, uh, and, and I would gong right now for surfing. That's, that's yes. Great. Uh, so final question. We've now spent the last 45 minutes hearing why you're amazing, why everybody should check out what you do. But this is your chance to shout out other people, whether it's people you're following, reading, listening to, watching, anything that you think we should we should know about and go check out. Yeah, absolutely. Some uh, some books that I have read recently. One is by Sinead Burke. Um, it's called Break the Mold. And she's an author who happens to be a little person. And the book is kind of geared towards uh, grade schoolers, but it's really for everyone. And it, it shows her uh, passion and her acceptance for everyone. And it, it's really just a beautiful book. Um, Little Legs 
Big Heart by Kristen uh, DeAndred. She um, uh, she wrote a book about her life getting um, or having a um, oh, it just left me <laughs> um, limb lengthening operations, which are extremely painful and time consuming, and um, they're just it's an incredible book that's emotional and, and, you know, close to the heart. And then another little person author, uh, Michelle Sullivan, I believe the book is looking up, but um, she was the first female president of uh, the Caterpillar foundation, which is one of the largest humanitarian outreach foundations. So she would be in her mobility device, going to third world countries, helping people in village and uh, just being visible as a, four foot tall little person in, in all these locations and doing just incredible work. So those are my three books. Wonderful. Well, my friend, it was great to catch up. Thank you so much for all of this. Thank you for coming on. And I know this will be a great episode. Thank you so much, Jay. This was so much fun. I'm so honored to be on the show and um, thank you. The Choose Your Struggle podcast has been so lucky to have numerous truly change-making authors on this show. From Adi Jaffe to Emily Dufton, we have been blessed by hearing them speak, and now it's time to grab their works. Now, you could go to Amazon if you wanted to shop online, but let's be honest, that's not the right choice. So I'm going to invite you to head over to my partner, Bookshop. If you go to bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS, again, that's bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS, you're going to find all of your favorite books and you're going to support the podcast in the process. But that's not even the best part. Bookshop has an incredible program that allows you to select your favorite mom and pop or neighborhood bookstore and they will give them some of the proceeds from your order. Now, living here in Philly, that's been a really hard choice because we have fantastic bookstores all over, but I selected Harriet's, which is a truly wonderful black-owned bookstore in Northern Philly. I love it. My wife loves it. We go there as much as we can. Honestly, why would you go anywhere else? So again, go check out Bookshop at bookshop.org shop CYS. You're going to find the book you're looking for. You're going to support your neighborhood bookstore, and you're going to support the podcast in the process. So check it out today and go ahead and buy that book you've been waiting for. Subscribe to my Patreon for behind-the-scenes looks at the podcast, sneak peeks, and bonus data. You'll also get a discount on Choose Your Struggle merch. Find it at patreon.com slash choose your struggle. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Christoph. That noise you hear is me opening the cards. Um... <laughs> so before we get to that, uh, just again, I want to say thank you to Christoph. Uh, thank you to everybody who listens. Please reach out to him. He uh, wants you to. He wants you to. He wants to chat. You know, there's they, there are sometimes when I say that and like the person does mean it. I don't want. I don't want to diminish that. But like you know, we all want people who to reach out and say like, hey, I really enjoyed it. Like uh, speaking of which, when I dropped the, that episode of um, I'm the villain. Uh, a couple people reached out to say they were going to go subscribe, which is very cool. A couple people from their show, uh, their listeners reached out and said, uh, I was so impressed with this interview. I'm going to subscribe to yours. Like, we love that shit, of course. But there are some people like Christoph who just want to have the conversation and are willing to just shoot the shit and like help you understand their life. And I admire the hell out of them for it. So please reach out to Christoph. Um, I am shuffling the cards. We're going to use uh, one of Blurt's card packs this week. It's the 54 Reasons Why You Matter uh, in honor of Christoph because, as he talks about on this, sometimes he, you know, it, it is it, the way he is seen is not as a human. And so this is a reminder, not just for him, because of course, but we all are. No matter who we are, we are all just humans. So 54 Reasons Why You Matter. Your thoughts, insights, and perspectives enrich the lives of others. That is accurate. Um, <laughs> I actually, before recording this, uh, I had about a 45 minute chat with, uh, Kyle Blanks, host of the corner of the clubhouse on the shameless podcast network. If you haven't checked it out yet, please go do so corner of the clubhouse. Um, 
and we just we have these really interesting chats. There's usually not an agenda. You know, one of us will have something to ask the other one about about work. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of cool stuff, but then we'll get off on these tangents and, you know, it's it, they're enjoyable. So uh, even if you are having a day where you don't feel that way, know that <laughs> and there is somebody out there who is like, man, I can't wait till I get to chat with, you know, this person again. So uh, definitely remember that um, your good egg for today. I keep bumping. <laughs> I keep bumping the stand. This is on and I feel like I'm ruining this, this sound. Um, your good egg for today is this is like, I know it's the fall and we usually associate sort of reorganization and cleaning with the spring, but, uh, in, in getting ready for one of the projects I'm working on, that's going to have other people in my office. I did a, a reorganization of my office, sort of a, just a tidying up and it just felt good. It felt needed. Uh, I had a lot of papers sitting around that, that I could have filed a long time ago. So, that is your good egg for this week. Clean up your space, clean up yourself, do some reorganization, whatever that's going to make you feel good and make you feel on top of stuff because it really does have a pretty incredible effect on your mental health. But as always, the most important thing as always is be vulnerable, show your empathy, spread your love, and choose your struggle.